This bonus episode of the Ask Dr. Julie Hanks podcast is for you if you want to stay in the LDS church while protecting your mental health. Listen as Dr. Hanks and fellow LDS therapist Valerie Hamaker share about how they're prepared to help you find clarity, set boundaries, and stay connected to the church in a psychologically healthy way. Without further ado, here is this bonus episode of the Ask Dr. Julie Hanks podcast. friends. Welcome to Ask Dr. Julie Hanks podcast. I'm so glad you're here. In each episode, I coach a listener through a tough question about mental health, personal growth, family relationships, or faith journeys. My goal is to help you think, feel, or do something differently to improve your life because you listen to this podcast. I want you to step into your power and create a life you love. Let's get started. Hello, welcome to Latter-day Struggles. This is Valerie. And this is Dr. Julie Hanks from Ask Dr. Julie Hanks Podcast. We could not be more happy to be with you today. We really enjoy working together, and we have come to realize, as you all probably have too, that we really have a lot in common. Uh, Julie Hanks and I really, really care about the Latter-day Saint and surrounding population, and for that reason, today, we are going to be talking to a specific proud of you, those of you who are interested in staying involved in some way, shape, or form in the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints, and you have the big question, which is this, how can I stay in a psychologically healthy way? So let me just give you a little bit of an overview of what Julie and I are going to be talking about today, and also a bit of an overview about what Julie and I have planned for you all for the year 2024. So today, As I mentioned, we're going to give you some thoughts and feelings and ideas about staying active or involved in the LDS church in a healthy way. And we're also going to be running a four-part question and answer series in the month of February that is going to be a deep dive into your specific questions about staying in a psychologically healthy way. And then if this goes well, In a few months down the road, we are going to be doing the very same kind of series, but for those of you who are feeling like it is right for you to step back from the LDS church and want to know how to do so also in a psychologically healthy way, and then at the end of the year, we want to talk to the population of people out there who are not sure what to do if you don't know if you should stay or you should go, and we want to serve you as well. So without further ado... Why don't we jump in, Julie, and talk a little bit more about staying in the LDS church and wanting to do so healthily? What do you have to say to open us up? Yeah, I just think this is a huge uh, percentage of people that follow my work and follow your work, right? They're trying to maintain some kind of connection. And as you learn more and more about the history or about social issues, People have a lot of conflict, internal conflict and potentially relationship conflict. And so I hear a lot about this. You hear a lot about this. And and so I think, you know, people often ask and they ask us personally and also ask why, you know, why we do this work. But why do you stay? Why do you stay when you know that it's harming some people, when there's 
history that is sketchy. You know, people ask that all the time. So let's talk about why do people stay in the LDS faith following a faith transition, crisis, journey, evolution? Yeah, I love that. That start. That's a great starting point, Julie. Why do people stay? And we might even go with, why do we stay? I mean, you actually asked a pretty good question right there from the gate. I think that'd be good to start with because if we move into why people stay sort of in the generic, inevitably you out there are going, okay, well, that's fine, but you haven't answered the question for yourself. So why don't we start there and then let's start. And then from there, we can go into perhaps why other people are choosing to stay based on our clinical population and the people that we work with in your subscription or in my groups. Mm-hmm. And also maybe then we could move into what are some of the most challenging parts of staying, which is yeah. what you and I are going to be addressing in these question and answer sessions. And what we're really interested in helping people with, if this is you, this is, this is a big topic. So why don't, I'm yeah. going to put you on the spot. Why don't you start? Yeah. Yeah. So why do I stay? Several reasons. I have had very profound spiritual experiences relating to the faith tradition that I was raised in. And I don't want to minimize those, and I don't want to make them bigger than they are, but they are what they are for me, and I've chosen to make them uh, mean something significant to me. Mm. I've also had a lot of those experiences outside of our faith tradition, too, with other healing traditions, and so I'm kind of at the place where this is my faith tradition. It's not the only true, right path. But it's, it is for me and I can speak to that. Also, my, I'm married to someone who's very devout. I have several children who are very devout, some extended family members who are. And so I'm not staying because of them, but I value them and I value those relationships. And so that, that's a factor. I, I love, the community, staying engaged with my local community allows me to serve like boots on the ground, put into practice the things that I'm trying to learn. And that's how to be a more loving human being. And I get the chance to practice that on a regular basis in my family and with my ward family. And also with my online community, right? There are lots of people who are struggling. And there aren't a lot of people who are still connected with the church who also can talk about openly and honestly about the hard things. And I feel that's part of my calling is to go, yeah, like this isn't right. <laughs> yeah, that that wasn't true. Yep. <laughs> you know, and be able to call it like I see it. Yeah. And still maintain respect for the faith tradition. That's really beautiful and incredibly vulnerable, Julie. Thank you. Yeah. Okay. Let me see how I can piece my thoughts and feelings together because I actually think this is a vulnerable question because I know you and I having been in the trenches with people in a lot of suffering, it's a very fair question. And I understand people that say, this is too hard. This is too painful. Totally. Like I I validate people who leave or who you know, step back, whatever. So this is just where I am today. And it could be different next week. Yeah. 
Can I add one more thing Please. to my to my list? I did I did a sunstone why I stay. And the main theme of that, this was a couple of years ago, was my life's main questions have to do with being an LDS woman. And so I can't answer those questions if I'm not that. Does that make sense? Like a, a big question that I have is, can an LDS woman have a fulfilling personal and professional life in addition to family life? Because we're taught that those are at odds. Sure. And I can't live that answer unless I'm that. <laughs> you know what I mean? I can't, I can't yeah. do that. And so until I I'm satisfied with that answer, I I need to kind of stay in so I can answer my life's questions. That's really beautiful. And actually that segues into some of the thoughts I was having for myself. I think for myself, spirituality and religion is about choosing a platform for our life's wrestles. And therefore, when we stop choosing a religion or worshiping because something's the only right way to do it, or because something is superior or more chosen by God, and we just say, I choose to encounter God through the context of this place, then for me at least, I find a lot of internal meaning and purpose and depth because I'm using this for my own growth and development and because it's part of who I am, which I guess is part of my another reason why I stay, which is mm -hmm. I feel in some ways like my identity was formed as a, as a Latter-day Saint, as a Mormon girl, right? Mm -hmm. And I care about that. And on some days I feel frustrated and I've been known to say to my husband, maybe more than once that I wish I wasn't even born in this faith because it's really messy and complicated and my life would be much better elsewhere to which he generally says, uh, not necessarily. You would just have different problems. <laughs> mm -hmm. Right. And, yeah. and therefore for me, as I grow and develop and I recognize that my faith journey connected to the LDS faith is actually a really sacred journey, even though it's challenging and messy it is creating in me, I think, the woman I am here to become. And therefore, I stay because I find deep meaning and purpose in what I'm learning and how I'm growing. And something that I also really have thought about, and I talk about this a lot on the podcast and in my groups, is that we are here in a search for truth and goodness in this life. And uh, spirituality and even religion is part of how we figure that out. And sometimes we figure that out because what we listen to and learn at church really aligns. And sometimes it really, really doesn't align. But the thing that's actually activated within me is my powers of discernment to distinguish where to find God. And I really get to figure that out in the context of my faith. And I dare say, if we value spirituality and we value community worship, we ought to be wrestling no matter where it is that we land. And I don't really have the interest necessarily in deeply integrating myself into a different tradition. This is home for me, so I can do my deep wrestles here. 
And also I can find a lot of strength and peace, I think, from all of the other things that I learn elsewhere, because as anyone that knows me at all knows, I deeply love Eastern philosophy and religion and like going beyond the boundaries of LDS faith or Christianity is very, very comfortable for me also. And I guess the one last thing I will say that kind of aligns with what you said, Julie, is that I think community matters. And what people say over and over again who who choose to leave, and even these folks that don't regret it, and they're glad they did, and it was the right choice for them, there is, for many people, a real sense of loneliness because community is hard to find. And I'm not saying the LDS community is perfect by any stretch of the imagination, but we do know how to build a pretty strong community worldwide. And a lot of times people recognize that they miss that. And so for those who feel to stay, this is something that we can do, even though I think it's scary, is we can derive the benefit from the community either by mentoring and helping people see a different, broader way of looking mm-hmm. at God. And also, perhaps even more challenging than that, is those of us who choose to stay in a community, we can actually practice and strengthen our muscles in learning how to unconditionally love people who aren't where we are in our faith development and recognize that they're where they are for their own very valuable and legitimate reasons. And that in and of itself is a really challenging ask for any human being to recognize that people are allowed to be exactly where they are and that Jesus Christ loved people and met them where they were. And I think communities of worship are actually really, really great places to actually practice that incredibly challenging skill set. So thanks, Valerie. Yeah. Let's uh, let's talk about what we learn from other people as far as, well, maybe we've covered it, but do you think, can you think of anything else as far as other reasons why people, why people want to stay, even though it's complex and messy? Yes, because they don't want to disappoint their parents or break their parents' heart. I hear that a lot. Yeah. I don't want to be the outcast in my family. Mm-hmm. A lot of it is relational and fear-based, right? So these aren't necessarily healthy reasons to stay, but they're valid. You know, they're real reasons that's, that people experience. Um, some people fear that if they leave what the church has taught them will happen. The bad things will happen because they leave. They're afraid that the church might be true. <laughs> I mean, that. do you know what I mean? That those bad things might happen. Uh, so there's a lot of fear and fear of relational disconnection, I think. Can I step in and just comment yeah. on that while while we're there? I hope that what you and I are able to cover in our in our deep dive in our question and response sessions with this small group of people that chooses to join us that we can actually help them realize if their reasons for staying are actually hurting them right because in some ways like as as I'm very clear on on my platform I don't have an agenda if people stay or go I want them to become healthy that's irrelevant yeah. whether yeah. you're a member or not ex yeah. whatever former in out doesn't yeah. matter and so what you and I both are really wanting for the people that we serve is 
to help them recognize, are you paralyzed in fear of either God or mom? <laughs> and is that why you're staying? And if that's why you're staying, you and I are going to probably challenge that and mm-hmm. invite people into a more psychologically healthy space where if they choose to stay, they do so from a place of love, from a place of a desire to grow, from a place of healthy autonomy and authenticity, but that we don't stay because we're afraid. We don't stay because we think God is going to get mad at us, or we don't stay for other reasons that are actually sucking the life out of us. And so I think that's something that when people come to us and ask us or say, this is, these are my reasons. I think it's important for people to challenge one another in healthy ways, as far as like, are we doing that, which truly is life-giving? Because if spirituality isn't life-giving, then it's, it's not good spirituality. And so, so I think for us to acknowledge when people talk about their reasons to say, okay, let's, let's talk about that. Let's challenge that a little bit. And maybe we can do some little mini sort of coaching moments with the people that come to our, our small group sessions to help them recognize, because I think sometimes people stay and they want the validation that you should always stay, but what they really need is permission to challenge that and maybe stay on different terms or maybe not stay at all. Right. I think we're here for two reasons in my mind, on the planet, but also in the church. And that's to grow and to learn to love. And so I always ask myself, am I growing into the person I want to be? And am I learning how to love better? And if I can answer those, then I'm good where, you know, where I am. But if you're not growing, and I've known people who are not growing, who are shrinking, who are dying because of their affiliation with the church, and I'm like, that you shouldn't affiliate then. Like, that's not why we're here on the planet. We're here to grow and learn to love. Beautiful. Beautifully said. And I agree that we are here to learn to love. And I'm also very interested in not only checking uh, my own motivations, but this comes up in the work that I do with, with my own clinical population, which is this, are we motivated by love or are we motivated by fear? And I think that ought to be something that we continue to circle back to over and over again, uh, as we make these challenging choices, what is motivating this? And I'm not saying that everything is sort of crisp and clean. It's only love or it's only fear. But I think a lot of us have been have spent a fair amount of our lives governed by fear. I think that's sort of the human condition. And as we psychologically evolve and grow, we learn to recognize when we're being governed by fear and we allow our higher selves to become strong enough to say, no, I'm not going to be governed by fear. I'm going to be governed by love. And I think that leads to the second piece that you talked about a minute ago, which is the question of relationship. I don't want to minimize and downplay the legitimacy of, of how we are like an ethnicity, Latter-day Saints, that people of our faith tradition enjoy a camaraderie with sort of this big Mormon family, multiple generation legacy. And as people evolve and grow and experience legitimate faith crisis, the big question becomes, Will I? can I belong in my family? Will I fit? And I don't think that's always somebody being dramatic and only oriented around fear. Some people really actually feel like they don't fit in very well after they come out, as it were. 
Well, and some families give that message explicitly, like you don't belong. You have betrayed us. I'm so disappointed in you. Yeah. And so I, I think that's sort of a problem. That's a bug in the system of our church. Yeah. (laughs) That our theology sometimes actually invites or evokes so much fear around the growth process, the spiritual growth process that while wanting and desiring to be a faith that bonds families, actually sometimes it does the exact opposite. And so what I want us to continue to talk, I mean, we already do this, but we'll be continuing to do this in this program we're doing in 2024 is helping people live inside of their integrity, find their voice, decide what truly works for them in the context of their faith, and then begin to have the courage to relate to their loved ones from a place of such deep love and integrity that hopefully it will help their family members see them as growing, evolving, coming closer to God individuals, even if their Latter-day Saint faith doesn't look the way it used to when they were more orthodox. People step into their power and whether they stay or stay differently or leave or come or shift positions, right? I think stay is stay and go is a very binary kind of mm-hmm. thing. And I don't know that people even do that. Like I think of it how to define my relationship with the church. Yeah. Like and recognizing that that's actually for me to define, not for the church to define. Or that, mom or grandma. Or, yeah. <laughs> right. Or spouse or kids or whoever. And so I think what I'm zeroing in on that you and I are really coming up with is that what we're wanting to help people do is Mm self-define so that they can define how they relate to the church in an authentic way rather than having external forces do that for them. Right, right. And that's the process of differentiation of self, right? Being able to be a unique individual while maintaining connection to people that you love. And so sometimes I, I've been accused of, well, you just tell people to be selfish and do whatever they want and just, you know, and it's like, uh, actually, no, it's not about being selfish. It's about being a self and having that self make decisions for you and s- knowing that not everyone's going to like that, but it's not about just disregarding relationships. We, we would, literally die without relationships. So we can't disregard them. Differentiation is so key in this process. And our faith tradition does not do a very good job of helping develop unique selves. Amen. And amen. Yes. The more we differentiate, the more of ourselves, these true, honest, integrity-based selves that are children of God, the more that self is able to come forward and really show up in beautiful, healthy ways in relationships. So the growth of the self, the individuation process is in the service of community. Mm -hmm. It's in the service of becoming a healthy partner, a healthy parent, a healthy friend. And therefore, what we're trying to do actually has the ability to strengthen community, whether it be an LDS community or your local community, your family community, your marriage community, 
growing up oneself is in fact, I think the reason why we're here in this life to grow, mm -hmm. to learn, to love, and to recognize that we need to become acted actors and not just acted upon. And, and therefore this question is tricky because I think a lot of times people get very uncomfortable with us when we start this task of differentiating because oftentimes our systems and our families really want to be able to dictate how they think we should live our lives because they think they know what's in our best interest. Yeah. And it's sincere. They sincerely believe that. And I remember with one of my own children, the moment I realized oh, I actually don't know what's best for you. That's your stewardship. That's your job. Like, I am so sorry. I thought I knew what was best for you. And I can't know that. That's for you to decide. And that was just such a big aha for me to, to let go of that. Like, I, as the parent, I know what's best. Like, no, that, that's an individual decision. My job is to guide and suggest and, you know, love, teach, but not to decide for somebody else. It's, I think, part of the surrender that happens as we evolve and grow and recognize that I have stewardship over my own life. And to the extent that I really endeavor to grow in healthy ways, I bless the people around me. And yeah. part of that blessing is that I actually let them also have stewardship over their lives. Right. And I think the the more we are able to cultivate a Latter-day Saint community that actually embodies that, the healthier the body of Christ will grow. Mm -hmm. And I think for that reason, I am grateful for those who are willing to make this wrestle, because if all of the individuating, striving, wrestling people do feel to leave our faith tradition, it does leave a gap in development where those who are the most comfortable, who haven't yet begun this portion of their faith journey, the church actually remains as a body underdeveloped. And yeah. so while I, again, never could begin to say which of us are more suited to stay and represent this growing body of psychologically and spiritually maturing people and which are not called to do that. I am grateful when there are some of us who are willing to make that this the, the platform of their wrestle because yeah, for those of us who want a spiritual community, I dare say there's no spiritual community that's going to satisfy all of our spiritual needs. I don't think spiritual communities like I don't think churches are meant to do that. That's not they sometimes oversell and underdeliver. like that this is what they're supposed to do. Like we will give you all the answers and grow everything and everything's going to be perfect. Just come over here. I don't think that's actually even true. I don't think there is a community that is capable of doing that. And so therefore for me, if we want to worship and we feel the value of a community worship experience, for some of us, because of the heritage, because of the bond, because of our sort of feelings of ethnicity, because the church for some of us has been a force for good, we stay in here and we wrestle. And we also sometimes do like the reform work. We do the raising of our hands and saying, this is how I see it sort of differently. And we we actively try to be agents of change and growth and increasing love right here at home. 
Amen. And amen. (laughs) Why don't we spend a second talking about why people struggle so much with staying? I think there are a number of very legitimate reasons, which we've sort of touched upon uh, a little bit. I want to, I'll throw out a couple of topics, Julie, and let's just run with them. A lot of people in my community, and I'm sure in yours, uh, they talk about real deep struggles with cognitive dissonance, Mm -hmm. legitimate struggles. And this is one of the main reasons why people don't know if they even feel like it's ethical to stay. What would you say about that as we get started on this topic? For me and for the clients I've worked with, it's, it's about being able to tolerate that dissonance and know that some dissonance is not going to be resolved, right? Like there's there are paradoxes, there are unanswered questions, there are things that don't make sense. And so people will often say, well, how do I reconcile, you know, that I'm a member of the church and their LGBTQ policies? I'm like, you don't reconcile. You say, I'm a member of the church and I disagree with this policy. You don't have to reconcile them. There can be things that are irreconcilable. And so there's some of this work is tolerating a certain level of dissonance. Now, if that cognitive dissonance is disruptive to your daily functioning, then that's, you know, you're not supposed to tolerate that. But there is some level of this that's about tolerating not knowing not having the answers, not resolving things. Yeah, that's really that's really astute. To to add to that, we could we could think about cognitive dissonance from the perspective of changing our relationship with the LDS church in general to relieve some cognitive dissonance. And I think mm-hmm. what that means is that for some of us we have been conditioned to believe that attending or holding membership in a church or in any any kind of an institution equals complete and total agreement. And we come by that honestly, because that's in some ways what we've been told (laughs) we're supposed to believe, right? But Mm -hmm. I think we feel, or at least I guess I can only speak for myself. I feel less cognitive dissonance all the time when I claim both that I am a part of this, this belief system and also I stand on my own two feet as far as what I actually believe. And so the more we're able to define that this community works for me for these reasons where I don't feel dissonance. And these are the reasons why I stay because of, you know, because I'm aligned. And then these are the things that I don't agree with, but I live in a messy, complex world that is run by messy, complex people. And therefore, I don't require that everything be exactly aligned with my way of thinking for me to be okay, because I, within myself, am defining what I know truth to be. And I think another way to solve or at least resolve some level of cognitive dissonance is for us to help people find their voices. Mm -hmm. I, I think the greatest degree of cognitive dissonance comes when one feels as if they're sort of constrained to a system and also gagged, like they can't talk, but they have to sort of sit there and pretend to be someone that they're not. Mm-hmm. But I know a lot of people, and I've been very, very inspired by people that I have the privilege of working with in my groups who week after week come and report sitting in 
various settings and with a lot of love and respect showing up in really bold and brave ways, which is exactly how systems are reformed, by the way. Mm-hmm. These people are not feeling cognitive dissonance because they are actually stepping into their power and inviting other people to hear their thoughts, hear their hearts, hear what they have to say, talk about hard things. And they come away feeling like they're not only empowered, but they're they're empowering others. And this is a deep mm-hmm. form of worship to invite our spiritual community into higher levels of conflict negotiation, deeper ways of thinking, deeper ways of processing complex theological topics. Like, uh, again, we're not very trained in how to do that in our faith tradition. So if we're <laughs> going to learn how to do that, somebody has to show up yeah. and, and invite that kind of a conversation. And that to me is not dissonant. That is, as much as anything, that is the work of a true disciple of Jesus Christ, somebody who is going to push the envelope, because guess what? He did that all of the time. Yeah, I love everything you're saying. I I totally agree. I I don't have anything profound to add. I think you okay. you expressed that beautifully. So another couple of concerns that people have in feeling like they can make this work is let's start with insecurity around boundaries. One of my favorite topics. (laughs) Well, then I'll let you take it away. Let's talk about boundaries and insecurity about, can I stay and hold my boundaries? Yeah. Well, so again, in our community, we are not taught or reinforced for, for making and keeping boundaries. And so people are always asking me questions about boundaries. Like, can I say no to a calling? Can I decide to wear whatever I want to wear to girls camp? Or You know what I mean? There's like yeah. all these kind of things. And I, all of this, I think, comes back to what we're talking about, of that developing a self, developing our voices and saying what, what we want, what's okay and what's not okay, and feeling confident in that. And people are often insecure in making and in reinforcing and, and, or enforcing boundaries because they haven't developed that skill. It's a skill, just like everything else. And so it takes practice to set a boundary, to state something. Oh, I, I won't be doing that or that doesn't work for me or whatever. And then follow it up. You nailed it you nailed a couple of things. Number one is I think we are reinforced to not have boundaries. And the reason why I think is actually, it makes perfect sense. When you run an institution, especially when you run an institution like ours, where much of the labor is, is for free, it's to the benefit of the institution to really impose upon people, almost like the spiritual dignity of just letting yourself be owned by the institution. Yeah. It's it's more efficient that way. More things get done. And so I understand why we have come by this this vulnerability in in the LDS church. And yet also at the same time, it's one of those situations where in the short run, it serves the church well, but in the long run, it does not serve the church well, because what ends up happening is people who don't learn how to lay claim to their own ideas, their own voices, their own lives, their own choices, 
they don't develop boundaries, they get burned out, they get resentful, Mm -hmm. and they are not able to spiritually grow and develop. And also they bring this this lack of skill set into their marriages, into their family lives, and they they mentor and teach generation after generation of of family members how to not have boundaries, Mm -hmm. which is a skill set that is life-saving for a psychologically mature person. It's so important for us to have Boundaries, because again, it seems this is beautiful because what I'm noticing is we're kind of circling around the same themes over and over again, which is as people differentiate and really come to own their spiritual selves, they can come into the community and really participate and serve and contribute in deeply meaningful ways that really work for them. Yeah. And they can also say, this won't work for me, and they can have these boundaries. And so to, to circle back, I feel like we've gone on a beautiful little rabbit trail, but I'm going to lead us back here. People don't have that skill set, and so therefore they think, if I stay in the church, that equals I have to do what the church has trained me to do, which is to always say yes and to not develop a self. And what you and I are saying, no, it's more complicated than that. You can mm-hmm. both you can both choose to stay in on your own terms yeah and model to your loved ones to your family to your friends that i can actually be a complex being and own my religious experience and not let it own me mhm and with that ownership though comes responsibility and you cannot blame anyone else right like once you come into that you are the boss and you cannot blame other people anymore. And so it's a it's a scary transition to make. I yes, yes, yes. Right. Yes, yes. <laughs> because it's not just like I'm I'm the boss of me. It's like, no, you really are. Like you really are in all ways. You are responsible for your experience and for guiding, guiding that. What you're describing, I'm I'm loving because. I feel feel like this is such a classical and very typical behavior that so many of us have, which is I have no boundaries. So then I resent you, you meaning friend, you meaning church, whomever. And I always know for myself, when I resent someone, it's because I have self-betrayed in some way. And so when I don't have boundaries, I resent, and then I can blame you for my resentment. And what you're saying is no more. That once we really lay claim to who we are, what we want to do, who we want to become, and how we want to participate, in this case in the church, we own that, we do that, and then we have to take full ownership of how we participate Mm -hmm. in the church. And what you're also saying, which I love, is that this is a far more ethical and responsible position to be in in the church. But it's also harder because we really have to take ownership, right? Right. But ultimately, it's not about what the church wants from me or what I want for me. It's a, it's a relationship. It's relating. It's about both. It's like, I want, I want to be true to me and I want to contribute to my community. And it's often framed as an either, or you give everything you have. Well, really? Like, because if I give everything, I have nothing left to give and then I'm done, you know? So we can't give up something that we don't have. And so investing in developing a self gives us more to actually offer to our community. So 
in, instead of looking at this as like zero sum, it's like, well, it's either I lose myself in the church or I'm just, I'm just a self, right? It's like, no, I'm a self in relationship to people, to institutions. And so it's both instead of just one or the other. And sometimes people who have been in a high demand religion or a highly controlled family system, they have to kind of go to the extreme for a while to break out of it and then kind of rebalance, right? Like, oh, I'm going to set boundaries with everyone all the time. And, and the goal is to kind of find where you can honor and be authentic to you and honor and contribute to your relationships and your broader community. That's really beautiful. And I think that is a good segue to the final thing I wanted us to talk about today, which yeah. is when folks come into our small group question answer session in February, they'll have an hour with us just to ask their questions, their specific, unique, painful, mm -hmm. vulnerable questions about staying in the church. So let's just spend a few minutes, Julie, talking, giving a bit of an overview about what we hope to help them with as they come and bring their specific questions. A big part of my hope is to develop confidence around themselves and they're using their voice, identifying thoughts and feelings, and then expressing those thoughts and feelings to others in a in a genuine way. Differentiation of self. So, you know, it's kind of the theme throughout all of this is, is really self-defining instead of letting others define you and then being able to relate in a healthy way. One thing that, that I think is one of my strengths is finding the right words. So a lot of the questions in my community are often about how do I actually say this thing I need to say? Here's what I want to say. How do I, how do I say it? So hopefully we can have, I can have the chance to kind of coach people and like, okay, here's how you can approach it in a way that makes it more likely that you'll be heard and understood because approach is so important. And we want to be able to approach people with hard conversations in a way that makes it more likely that there'll be connection, not less likely. Yes. I hope that what you and I can do is help people become more complex thinkers, be able mm -hmm. to recognize the value in this messy journey that we are struggling in our faith, but that doesn't mean that something's gone wrong. As a matter of fact, I actually think that we're right on schedule if we're having a faith journey or a faith crisis, especially in our middle years. I think that's exactly how it's supposed to be because what that means is developmentally, our souls are prepared to dive deeply into the more complex of mm -hmm. spirituality, of growth, of surrender. And, and so I want, I want to help people recognize that that all is not lost and something has not gone terribly wrong in your life if you're in a faith crisis, but rather you can make sense of this and you can own your experience and not feel like you have to make an all or nothing decision. Even the way we're mm -hmm. framing this probably 
in some ways evokes more of a finality than I think you and I really intend for people to think they have to. We don't yeah. need anybody to decide. But what I want people to decide is what am I going to do this Sunday? Like, what am I going to do in this conversation? And yeah. and some people I know, I've done quite a bit of coaching with people who actually feel like there is a part of them that wants to participate in a healthy way in this Latter-day Saint community. But until they extricate from it for a little while and really heal, they don't know that they feel like they can in the long run. And I think having that kind of openness with oneself that I don't have to choose what my level of activity is from now through the next 30 years, Mm -hmm. I can step back and do that so that I can heal from some trauma, so that I can make sense of some of my more complicated stories that are connected to the church, so that when I heal from that, I may be able to step back in at another point in time and become a healer myself, become a leader. And so I want us to help people recognize that they can own their choice. It's not a choice that has to be sort of endorsed forever. And that in so doing, they can change their mind over and over and over again. And that's okay. I love that. So what you're talking about is flexibility in thinking and decisions. So often we are taught in this faith tradition, there's good and there's evil. There's light and there's dark. There's, you know, and in reality, there are lots of shades of gray and all these colors. And and so to be able to be flexible and nothing is for, you know, it's like, well, this next next choice you make could impact you for eternity. It's like, well, I'm not going to move then because it's too scary, right? You get paralyzed. So becoming more flexible in how we think about the church, about ourselves, and then flexible in our decision-making. I find myself reminding people, you you actually get to choose. Do you want to go this? Like, do you want to go to church this week? Do you not want? And you can make a different choice next week, or you can say no to a calling and then next month say yes to a calling. <laughs> like you can use your agency to, to be fl- in a flexible way instead of like everything you do is there's an eternal consequence and it's going to, you know, either bless your life or curse your life, you know, there's, there's a lot more flexibility in the decisions that we make than, than I think we've been taught. And that is a psychologically healthy skill that I hope we can teach. And I think what you're describing in and of itself is important because I think sometimes coming together and saying out loud, some of the ways that we have been taught that are so sort of deeply ingrained or internalized within us that we don't even actually realize that like, wow, that is true. When you said that, I kind of chuckled because it's like, it's really true. We have been taught, you know, this next choice you make tomorrow could determine the entire rest of your eternity. I mean, good heavens, like it's amazing any of us gets out of bed in the morning if that's like sort of what we're thinking about because the cost or the price is so high that it could be paralyzing and it brings us to a state of surviving in fear and Mm -hmm. feeling as if we have to look over our shoulder and always be afraid. And I think what I would love for us to work with people on who are really wrestling with this, how do I stay connected to the church or should I stay connected to the church? There may be those of you who come to this that 
really don't know if you're in the camp of do I stay or do I go? And you may enjoy actually this one and the second session, the ones the, the one that we're going to be doing around, okay, I want to go. How do I do so in a psychologically healthy way? Because it may be that some days you want to stay and some days you want to go. The good news is that while we will fashion these questions and we will be answering your questions sort of based on what your particular interest is, a lot of the things you're going to notice Julie and I are going to be talking about are quite similar. To leave in a healthy way requires a lot of differentiation, requires- It's the same skills, right? (laughs) (laughs) It's just using them in a different context. And it's very, very empowering to recognize that either way, we're good. We're good people. We are beloved. We are worthy. That nothing changes. Like if we can take all of those really high anxiety thoughts and feelings that again, some of them have been programmed right into us that staying Mm -hmm. equals righteous, good, worthy, leaving equals all of the opposite. If we can just say out loud, those are paradigms that are not healthy and not helpful. Let's just take those off the table and say, okay, I am choosing one small choice. I'm choosing a, yeah, I'm choosing something that is connected to my relationship with the church this week, right? And in so doing, I am trying to become a loving, spiritual human being that is trying to embody love in my journey and I'm trying to grow. Will I grow more from the staying perspective, wrestling on the platform of the LDS faith, or will I grow more? in doing that elsewhere, but I'm going to grow and I'm committed to doing good and being who I am here to become. And I'm just choosing where I want to do that. I think if we kind of shift the paradigm and think about it Mm -hmm. from that perspective, it actually takes a lot of the stress and anxiety away. And it opens us up to this field of possibility that just means I am choosing to live a full life and I have lots of beautiful choices and it's not, there's not a right choice and a wrong choice here. It's just, what is my choice that feels good to my soul? Yeah, totally agree. Okay, so why don't we close, Julie? Do you want to go ahead and just one more time talk a little bit about what people can expect in our February sessions and what those dates are? So in February, uh, we are going to meet on four consecutive Thursday evenings at 7 p.m. Mountain Time for an hour. And it will be, you bring your questions and Valerie and I will answer them. And it's going to be very practical. It's going to be, it's going to apply to your situations. Um, We will likely have some pre-submitted questions, but also have open dialogue where you can, things that come up, you can bring, bring up. And the dates for those are February 1st, 8th, 15th, and 22nd. Those are all Thursdays at 7 p.m. Mountain Time. And you'll benefit by joining this group in so many ways, but there's something about hearing other people's stories and relating to them and knowing that you're not alone in the struggle. That is That alone, even if you don't say anything or ask a question, Hearing other people is therapeutic and healing. You you will get the chance to ask questions 
So you'll be able to have access to two therapists who've been doing this for quite a while and work specifically with this population around the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. So you'll have access to both of us each week, and we'll be able to tailor our answers to whatever is on your mind or going whatever you're going through that that week. Anything you want to add to that, Valerie? I couldn't agree more that the group setting, I'm passionate about groups. You all know that this is what a lot of, uh, this is a lot of what I do each week. There's something really sacred about healing in a community. I believe that we are deeply relational and we all need each other. Mm-hmm. And I think faith crisis in the LDS church is a uh, part of the pain is that a lot of us feel incredibly alone. Yeah. And what you and I are trying to create, Julie, is these healing communities that help people feel like they're not alone, like they're not bad, like they're not crazy. And therefore, something healing happens even just by attending and seeing that what we're going through as a community is we're all striving to grow healthy. And we can help each other and we can support each other. And we are really honored and grateful that we are able to facilitate this because actually we're just on this journey ourselves. I hope you've probably noticed Julie and I are wrestling with some of these things right alongside with you. And it's yeah. it's an honor to facilitate, but also to learn from you as, as you ask these questions and as we wrestle with these ourselves. So where is the, how can people enroll, Julie? Yeah. So if you go to drjuliehanks.com on the homepage, there is a banner that says, you know, click here to sign up for the Should I Stay uh, Q&A series. So drjuliehanks.com, or you can go to drjuliehanks.com slash coaching, and it's on that page as well. And then we will be posting it on our social media regularly over the next little bit. So that will be available on our social media platforms. Why don't we also add the information in our show notes of both of our podcasts and we will put a link in both of our bios. And so sounds great on either platform, Latter-day struggles podcast on Instagram or on Julie's social media platform, which is doc. You go ahead and say your handle. Yeah. Dr. Julie Hanks and podcast is ask Dr. Julie Hanks. Yeah. Perfect. Okay. It's such a pleasure to be with all of you and such a pleasure always to talk to you, Julie. You're such a good friend of mine. (laughs) It's so great. I mean, we connected and we feel less alone because we have a friendship. And so we kind of want to share that with all of you and, and, you know, be able to help you know that you're not alone and that you matter and that your worth is never in question. No matter what you choose, no matter what you think or feel, what you've done, you are valuable and and you matter. And so uh, I hope you'll come and join us for this little four-week journey. And it's it's going to be a great healing experience for everybody. Thank you, Julie. Thank you all for being here. Yeah. And we will see you hopefully in February. Take care. We'll see you then. Bye. Are you enjoying this podcast? Let me offer you more support and the chance to connect with other like-minded women with a Latter-day Saint background. Join my group coaching. You will be seen, heard, and you'll find a welcoming group of women. And you'll get coaching from me around topics that matter most to you. 
To join my group coaching, go to drjuliehanks.com slash membership today and use the code podcast to get your first month free. Come try it out. Let's support each other and grow together. You are not alone. We're waiting for you. thought, hey, I want to talk to Dr. Julie Hanks about this question. Well, now's your chance. I want to have you on my podcast. So email hello at drjuliehanks.com with your question and the reason why you want to be on the podcast. And we may just choose you for a free coaching session.